You know, in just a few weeks, I'm going to be heading back to Los Angeles and still working on Days of Our Lives and I'm going to spend the fall out there working. Oh, wow. Okay. So, okay. Wow. I saw that you got uh, nominated for an Emmy last year. So that's some, that's yeah. awesome. Right. I've uh, been on the show as of yesterday was my 16 year anniversary. Uh, <laughs> Minus uh, a seven year hiatus in the middle um, <laughs> where my character went sailing around the world for seven years and somehow got her law degree before she came back. <laughs> I love soap opera. This is why I love it. I love it. Welcome to the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Join me and a famous guest every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We discuss their career, life, food, Texas, and everything in between. Let's get started. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time today. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, I've been listening to your your podcast. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, you've, got this, you've got this great podcast. I'm actually from the restaurant industry. Um, I've been in the restaurant industry for, you know, 15 years or so, more or less. Um, so, yeah, it was great to, I love hearing stuff like that, to be honest with you. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> well, we kind of live and breathe it over here. You know, all of our, uh, all of our work for the most part is centered around the, the uh, restaurant industry. So it's, uh, we're always talking about it anyway. So we thought, why not make a podcast? <laughs> I mean, that that's where I'm at. So I get you. Um, you know, I, yeah, I want to talk to you about, you know, you got this new place opening up, your podcast, um, and how you made the transition from, you know, being an actress, a working actress, and then just deciding to make this move, um, which I love. I love that you're part of this whole industry and trying to make it better. And uh, I love it. It's, it's, a, it's a big thing. Food is an important uh, thing in our lives. So um, and essential thing to connecting all of us, really. So, hundred percent. Yeah, let's talk. Um, first, I want to talk a little bit about. Um, obviously, you can tell I've overdone it today. I didn't realize <laughs> and the flag. I've way overdone it. Like you can overdo Texas spirit. <laughs> I mean, I love Texas. Don't get me wrong. That's what I love about being from Texas is we love Texas almost more than America. Uh, <laughs> we're like Texas first. American second. Um, anyway, um, so let's talk a little bit about where you grew up in Texas. Yeah, I am from Houston. Um, well, originally I'm from Virginia. We moved to Houston when I was in first grade. Um, grew up in the Cypress Creek area and um, really enjoyed it. it. Back then, it was kind of the sticks, you know. Now it's very uh, urban and crowded and you know also I don't even recognize it anymore but um, uh, I uh, graduated from Cypress Creek High School and then um, went to Texas A&M so uh, after I graduated uh, Texas A&M I left Texas and I've been gone for 20 years and just made the move back to Dallas about three years ago wow <laughs> so so ha you've obviously had seen Dallas before you moved there right <laughs> Uh, yeah. I was on uh, the dance team in, in college and we would come to Dallas once a quarter to take uh, kind of professional classes at Dallas Powerhouse. And that was really my only experience in Dallas. Yeah. So, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I grew up there, but it has changed a lot, just like Houston, right? I mean. Well, my sister lives in Frisco and has for the last, 
I don't know, 20 years. And so we always came to visit and we saw the progression and how it was becoming more popular over time. So when we decided to move here, we, we came up here to Frisco. I mean, uh, you know, living in that area, because I consider Frisco, all that Dallas, I mean, that's Dallas to me, D DFW. It's all DFW. So like that, I mean, restaurant industry is massive there. I mean, massive. I think at one time, if I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. Uh, but at one time, Addison supposedly had the most restaurants per square mile in the country. Uh, yeah, I heard that before. And I remember Addison, that whole strip at Beltline was just restaurant after restaurant after restaurant. I think it's really kind of, at least now that I understand the landscape a little bit, it's it's sort of spread out now. I think that there's a lot of really cool areas to go out and eat. You know, Frisco is a very suburban area, so you're going to have a lot more of the big box kind of chain uh, stores here, and there's a lot of that. Um, you know, you go down to Deep Bellum or Oak Cliff, you know, the Bishop Arts area, you're going to find some really cool independent restaurants and, and uh, more people that I think are more on culinary trend, you know. Yeah, 100%. I, I worked uh, for Stephen Piles downtown in Dallas for many years. Uh, I know. <laughs> uh, huh? Do, do you know who he is? Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, some people don't, but, but if you're from Dallas, you kind of have to know. Uh, He's the, the king chef of Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Uh, yeah. And I work specifically with uh, George Majdalani. So shout out to George. He was Stephen's uh, business partner for, for many, many years because Stephen runs sort of the food and, and that, but George is more the operations, uh, which I was fascinated with. Uh, to be honest with you, I love the food and everything. But to me, what always fascinated me about a restaurant was how it operated and how it ran. And it was just this crazy thing of corporate meets like rock music, right? It was <laughs> this weird mix of because, right, you got like Friday night, Saturday night show. It's like service, but it's a show, really, right? It's theater. It's like just cra the craziness that can happen, right? Um, so yeah, I think that's, I, I find that just so interesting, um, you know, that you made that move. I probably, you know, you got married to someone who had restaurants and knew this stuff, but did you know the business before you married? Oh, yeah. So I, I came up in the business. I started working in restaurants when I was 16, as soon as I could work. Um, and after I moved to New York, I started bartending and, and more of the sort of Manhattan hotspots. And I got really, you know, I was very fortunate that I fell in with a group of people who were really um, kind of the restaurant trendsetters of the time. And so I was hobnobbing with what we would now look at as some of the best of the best um, in the restaurant industry. And so I got really lucky that I learned from these people. And, um, and I really made my way up through bar management, floor management in New York. And then when I moved to Los Angeles in 2003, um, yeah, I met my husband was opening a restaurant there, not my husband then, obviously. Um, and he hired me to manage his new restaurant in Los Angeles. And that's how we met. And so um, he already had two other existing restaurants, but together we opened one, one, two, three. Now let's be three more together. Um, and so, you know, we're a really good partnership. He bring, you know, he also taught me so much about the actual business side of the restaurant business. <laughs> And I learned through the process that, you know, so much of it is really about like 
fixing broken toilets and <laughs> dealing with a crowd of 300 people when the air conditioner goes out. I mean, really, it's, it's more about crisis management um, and dealing with a whole array of personalities all at one time. So, um, you know, I think I really enjoy that. I think I'm a pretty fluid person and can kind of roll with those things. And, and so it was a perfect fit for me personally to, to um, sort of manage that chaos on a day-to-day -day basis. That, that's how I know you're telling the truth because someone truly from the restaurant industry, that's what they would say is it's about putting out fires. That's yeah, what it is. It's chaos management, it's crisis management. <laughs> When you're at the top, that's really all you're doing. You're walking around going, don't do that. Let's do this. Let's right. It just becomes that. Oh God, they, this person called that. This is late. This bill that this, I mean, so many things that you never see. And when you're working your way up, right, you're kind of just like, man, these people don't know what they're doing. <laughs> it, they're, they're fucking idiots. And it's like, but then you get there, you're like, oh shit. Okay. There's just like a lot of shit to deal with. Right. There's just a lot of constant. If you ever wonder why the owner of your restaurant isn't always 100% nice and like cares about what you did last night. It's because they were probably up all night dealing with the fact that, you know, the sewage was like overflowing into the street and calling the city and like, it's hard. It's really hard. It's a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. But again, I think it takes a certain kind of personality to, to deal with that. Um, my husband is much better at it than I am because he just is not excitable at all. Like he's, he can just like keep it cool no matter what. That's <laughs> well, I'm like <laughs> all over the place. I can still get it done, but I'm, I'm feeling it all the whole time. I'm emotional too. I've always been an emotional leader. I mean, I'm, I, I just, I worked with people like that, chefs and manager. We're just, everyone was emotional in Dallas. I don't know what, you know. What, <laughs> It was just like, oh my God, this is, uh, it was downtown. You know, I worked for Charlie Palmer, Stephen Pyle, right? You start talking about these shows where everything was just like this front waiter, back waiter, side waiter, top waiter, around the side. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, holy cow. Okay, th this is just, uh, you know, the white tablecloth, which is interesting. I saw it sort of change. That, that really is this trend of, of casual like i remember in the beginning days of my career you couldn't walk into a fancy place with flip-flops and shorts and sit down and eat hell no that was not gonna happen now there's tons of places where the price point is very high and you're walking in like that sunglasses you, you know it doesn't matter I, I love that it's changed it's become about the food they got rid of the white tablecloth and it became about just the raw wood table right and right well i think a lot of that transition if it hadn't already happened, it really finished happening around the recession, right? Because people still wanted to go out, but they couldn't spend a lot of money, but they still, you know, it was sort of the, the beginning of, well, maybe sort of in the middle of the time where everything was about local sourcing and organics and all this kind of stuff. So you want all of that at a $13 price point, you're not going to wear a suit, right? Like yeah. it's, yeah. and the, the strong, you know, restaurants who survived that time are the ones that adapted like, hundred percent. Well, it's about the food, you know, it becomes, it becomes about the food, but there's also a place to dress up and have a night, you know, the, yeah. it's just about the ambiance. It's about, it's really about the place you've created as a restaurant or chef or wh whatever the place is, whoever's designing or coming up with a theme. You your demo and you make it for that. <laughs> and you get people to come to you with it, th right? Like instead of trying to please everybody and let's just, you know, you, you can't do that. You have to, you know, some of my favorite restaurants, I live in Austin, 
Um, some of my favorite restaurants here, you know, are places where the menu literally says, I, I never was like this. I own my own place in Austin for about five years. Um, and I never was like this as a chef, but they'll just say, look, no substitutions or whatever, right? Like, this is it. This is what you're getting. Yeah. What we're, we need all these flavors to come together for this to happen. It's like going to watch a movie and saying, you know what? I don't, I want to take out Sam Jackson and put in Denzel. It's like, you can't do that. They've already made the movie with the actor, right? Everything works together for a reason. It's the same thing with flavors. Um, so I'm going to disagree with you on this though. How do you really, I mean, when you go out to eat and someone says, you can't change this because I know what you want to eat more than you know what you want to eat. I mean, ahead of time. I know ahead of time that that's the type of place it is. Now, I don't expect every place to be like that, right? If I go to a food truck and I'm getting breakfast tacos, dude, <laughs> I said I want cheese and onion, right? Like, I get it. But there are certain dishes as a chef, you just know there's certain dishes that work together. I'm sorry, I can't take off the so the that that I made for it. Like, there's just certain dishes, right? But it, it just depends what you're getting. If you're getting a steak, obviously to your temperature, right? To your liking, um, it just depends. There's just certain things. I'm remembering a place I used to go to in LA and I loved it. And I, I still went back all the time, but I, one of the first times we went, it was an Italian restaurant and they had, you know, this handmade spaghetti and like the bolognese sauce and the whole thing. And I asked for a side of goat cheese because I like to put goat cheese on my spaghetti. And they said, no. And I said, why? That's ridiculous. That that doesn't make any sense to me. Right. And that's the kind of thing, I don't know. I, you know, I feel like in the hospitality industry, you need even chefs, even when they're great, need to be able to say yes to your guests as often as you can. Yes, I, I do agree with that. And there's a lot of bullheadedness as chefs, but the same reason that makes them good is the same reason that holds them back sometimes. That's true. That's true. Yeah, it's you know it's a delicate dance. You want to be it really is, but uh, you want to be accommodating if you're going to be in the hospitality industry. Yeah. I mean, it's you, you need people to come eat your food, right? Like, it's like you can't yeah. eat it by yourself. So right. yes, I hundred percent. You have to be accommodating. But I think that's what's good about a restaurant, um, front of house, back of house. They just have different or heart of house, as I call it. You know, they just have different, um, you know, uh, approaches. Right? approaches and they and they work together and i think they both need each other you need the people fighting for the artistic yeah. whatever right and then the other people go no but we also need people to to see this right or to eat this right so that works i just think that balance will get you to the perfect point yeah and now with things like yelp which you know i hate but <laughs> for those reasons you know at least you can read a little bit about where you're going before you go yes yes yeah. Yelp. Um, yeah, that's a whole nother. Oh, we talk about it almost every week on our podcast. Yeah. I listened to a couple episodes, by the way, which I love the podcast. Let's talk about that. I, I really did love the podcast. Let, let me just start there. Um, it's called while, while we were waiting podcast, right? right? And it's waitingpodcast.com or that's right. uh, uh, while we were waiting podcast.com. I know it's long, but it's the only one we can find. Right. <laughs> the, social is, the social media handle, um, waiting podcast, maybe. Is Waiting podcast is the social media handle for Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, it's a. It, tell us a little bit about the podcast and what inspired you guys to you know uh, get this going because this is a good way to get both of y'all's perspective on everything. Right. Love it. It's great. You know, I've been in entertainment forever, so I'm always inclined to want to like you know share my thoughts with people or be social with people, which has been hard during the pandemic. But you know, AJ, uh, my husband's name's AJ, and he and I have been you know, in the restaurant business together and, and apart for 
ever. And we, it's always the number one topic of discussion in our house. And, um, you know, all of our uh, friends, a lot of our family, you know, like everyone we know is in the restaurant industry. Um, and it was the beginning of the pandemic. And we're like, you know, maybe now's the time to do that thing. We, we've always wanted to do something like this, like a podcast where we center it around the restaurant industry. And I said, but I don't want to do something where like every week we're talking about COVID and how and all these awful statistics and blah, blah, blah. I said, you know, let's give them something that's fun. And what I know is great about the restaurant industry is that everybody who's been in it for any length of time has that story, right? Like the story that they tell at dinner parties or like that one night at the restaurant that like they'll never forget forever. And I was like, we need to put together a podcast where we can get our friends to tell that story. And, and cause it's fun and, and people can relate, you know? Um, and so that's really how it started. Um, it's kind of evolved. We're still only 18 episodes and we do one a week. Um, at first we were doing more of like an interview section and then the stories and we were all sharing stories. And now we've kind of streamlined it where AJ and I kind of talk about this week and whatever news or what's happening in life and COVID and all that kind of stuff. And then we let our guests tell their stories and it's been really fun. And it's also been wonderful to kind of reconnect with a lot of people that we know. And so yeah. it's just been a fun pastime. And um, we've been really surprised at the amount of traction that it's gained so quickly. I was not expecting that. So. No, that's great. Um, yeah, ours, ours launched this year as well. So same sort of deal. Um, you know, we, we actually, I don't want to say we started with a similar premise, but not really, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, where am I getting that from? It's about food. I mean, in the same general sense, we were more food centric in the beginning. We had a lot of chefs on and uh, restaurateurs and, you know, people that own businesses around here locally. Um, and we sort of, yeah, made a, a pivot to start talking about other things um, as the guests just started to talk about other things. Right. Like it just sort of evolved on its own. I just realized the podcast started to become the, its own animal, you know, and honestly, I used to do like an intro like you guys do um, when you talk about the stuff. Um, I sort of got rid of that. And I just it's just straight up like Joe Rogan style where it's just the interview, you know, that that's 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 the restaurant industry is a great jumping off point because everyone who works in it is kind of eclectic. I mean, everyone, you know, <laughs> from working in restaurants is like a little off you know so they're fun and they're very dynamic and like we're all a little neurotic and it's so i think that is a great place to start for any conversation yeah that is so funny i you know i remember one time partying with uh some people after work of course um as as one does and um we're at somebody's house i remember somebody gave it was this waiter that i worked with he, he just gave this long speech about how People in the industry were everything, you know, their doctors, their lawyers, their accountants. I mean, he just named every profession you could possibly think. It was like, that's waiters and bartenders and service industry. That's where, you know, we, we come in, we come out. Some people stay, some people go, some, you know. It's transient uh, industry. So you're going to get all sorts of characters coming, coming through there, especially in places like L.A. and New York and Austin, yeah. where people work in entertainment and. I can't imagine. Uh, I've never worked in L.A. Uh, or New York. I, I did have the fortune to work in Europe uh, for a few years, uh, and, and that was great. But 
different, right? It's just different than the state, way different than the states. Um, and I'm, 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 there, right? yeah, it's uh, it's all about contracts, and um, I, I don't, you know, it's less. I don't know how to explain it. It's so, it's almost like it, it doesn't really. Some places that everything matters, like here, where, where everything's taken very seriously. But for the most part, nobody cares. It's just like, look, get the work done. Let's. We got to get to the beach later. We got a siesta coming up. We got. <laughs> it's like nobody really gave as much attention to everything, and I was bl I was just amazed by a lot of stuff. You know, like, oh my god, look at this wine we're serving, and this, and this food, and that. oh my god, and they're just like, this is Tuesday. What? What's your problem? <laughs> You know, what, what's, uh, but you know, it's just where I came from. Right. So it was just these different experiences and, and let, and I waited tables in both too. So, you know, this whole, uh, you didn't have to smile at people. Even you just, yeah. had, you just had to bring them their stuff. Just don't screw up their order. That's in Spain specifically where we're do not screw up their order. If you do that, you could literally probably get away with punching them in the face and be okay. But you, don't have, they don't really adhere to the tip system there. So they're not incentivized to care what you think. <laughs> you know? They care less. Yeah. Yeah, t totally. And, and vice versa. They don't care if you just take the order and leave. You don't have to start a small talk. I remember my first boss I ever had in Spain was just like, Patrick, you need to shut the fuck up and stop talking to these people so much. Like you spend 20 minutes at a table. You know, I was like, what? I'm just... I'm just getting the conversation start, you know, like I'm just talking. This is what we do. It's like not here. That's not what we do. <laughs> kind of my Achilles heel working service is I do get kind of hung up talking to one person for too long. <laughs> that was me too. You know, it, it happens. Uh, it happens. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, let's talk about this. Uh, this. Well, you know what? Let's stay on the podcast for it because I, I, I don't want to jump around too much because I do want to talk about this podcast a little more because there was this uh, interesting. Um, you talked about this one episode I loved in particular was about like this guest, right? Just like the worst guest, and it just got. Okay. It got me thinking about, that's what I love about y'all's podcast. really good. These themes get me thinking about my own experiences. Right. Good. Yeah. What's your worst guest experience? Oh my God. I have so many. It's like, I, I probably have so many, but I would say my worst guest is a lady who spit my face <gasps> in Dallas. You know, I used to have a lot of, I used to be the bar manager at Stampede 66 and, and, yeah. and, um, and downtown Dallas. It was off of, uh, Gosh, what was it? Elm or some shit? I can't even remember now. That was 2012. Mm -hmm. uh, no, 2014. Excuse me. Um, and uh, anyway, people would come in a lot. It was a big bar. It was really popular. We had just opened Stephen Powell's new restaurant, blah, 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 whatever. So people used to get just super wasted. And at the end of the night, it was just a lot of calling cabs for people. And it, this was before the Uber really was, you know, a big thing. So anyway, this one particular night, yeah, this lady just... You know, was so fed up that I was that she couldn't drive home, and I was telling her she can't take her car. You know, blah blah blah. She's gonna sue me and sue Steven, and she knows Steven. Of course, she knows the owner. I get that. I'm the owner. Yeah, I'm with the, I'm with the owner. Okay, that's how I know you're not with the owner. You just gave it away. You just <laughs> so you know. Anyway, yeah. As she's as this cab is pulling, she just turns and just she had like saved it up or something it just like rolled down my face i'll never forget that i was so angry it was like 2 30 in the morning i've worked a 14 hour shift you know just 
whatever. Just it was just such bullshit. I was so mad. Just got her in the car, shut the door, and I was good about that. Just like get, just be gone already. Just mm-hmm. I, that that was my thing. Just get anybody that's a problem. Don't uh, add fuel to the fire. Just get them gone. Just just eliminate them immediately. There's just something I learned from downtown Dallas fine dining service because everything was like in the atmosphere i mean you knew every noise so anything out of the norm just stuck out and everybody's looking around right i mean so it was just immediately like secret service it was just eliminate a problem uh quickly you know Uh, so yeah that's that's one of my worst um guests i think in the restaurant industry and definitely in the bar industry you get to know the different like levels of drunks you know (laughs) like and and i i would bet that probably nine out of 10 worst guest stories is going to be about the angry drunk. All of my worst guest stories are angry drunk, you know, throwing things and saying terrible things. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We do take a lot of abuse restaurant industry. Really do. It's you learn to be sober around drunk people a lot. It's a very odd uh, talent. Yeah. Really, right? It's just a really I mean, you're basically babysitting. Yeah. Well, like hopping someone up on sugar all night long. Like, here's your next dose of sugar. Don't hit me, please. You know. <laughs> and feeding them and then putting them to bed. They are. It is like babysitting. Honey, it's time to go home. I'm gonna call you a car, okay? <laughs> we get very, very good at being compassionate and very. um we're all i'd say we're all pretty in tune with other people's kind of where they are kind of emotionally and mentally all the time and then you know oh. we're the ones who are trying to take care of them when they can't take care of themselves so it's very much like babysitting adults a whole room full of adults a whole room yeah and also it is therapy involved right you bartended for a long time which is different than waiting tables right Absolutely. different to be honest with you and i think that's something you do in bartending a lot which- yeah, I mean, I waited tables for a total of like maybe three months in my entire life yeah. because the bar kind of offers you that separation yeah. where you don't have to go to them. They come to you, right? That you're the dealer. <laughs> you know what I mean? I like that. You're the dealer. I never heard that. I can't believe that. That's the first time. I'm going to be in charge of this space now. Yeah. So be nice to me and I'll give you everything you need. <laughs> you know? Right. Be nice to me. I'll give you everything you need. That, right. That's but a t-shirt. It's true, like, you know, I'll give you emotional support, I'll give you booze, I'll introduce you to your next best friend you haven't met down the bar, like, I'm gonna help you out. But if you're waiting tables, you know, you're immediately like running up to someone who's hungry, (laughs) you know, who just got there, probably has to go to the bathroom, like, and immediately you're you're inserting yourself into a situation where someone's already uncomfortable, you know? Is so and you can't do anything for them until the chef makes the food, right? <laughs> so, so you're just a buffer. <laughs> that is so funny, but so true. You know, to, God, that is so true. Yeah, I love that. I love that, uh, uh, you know, definable difference. Uh, of Definitely a big difference. <laughs> big difference. And that's what's funny about a restaurant, right? You've got like, let's say a small to medium restaurant, maybe you got 20 employees on a whatever, you know, Friday night, you know, that's 20 different people really having 20 different raw experiences, right? You, if you talk to the line cook at the end of the night, how did the night go? And then you talk to the host 
And then you talk to the bartender and then you talk to the bus boy and then you talk to the dishwasher. Then you talk, right. Then you talk to the chef and then the manager. Everyone's gonna have a different story about the night. Totally, totally. That's a crazy thought to me because it's a small confined space. How are we not all having the same experience? Really? Is, I love that. This is one of the lessons that we kind of teach our managers, which is, you know, trust what you know, not what you feel. Because while you might be sweating at the end of the night and thinking this was the busiest night you ever worked, you go and look at the open table and you only did a hundred covers. Like always look at the data, <laughs> you know, never, never take it. You know, somebody saying, oh, last night was just a shit show and it was off the roof. And you're like, why? I only did like $8,000. <laughs> That's so funny. That's so true. There's something to train there. <laughs> you shouldn't feel that way. <laughs> I like that. Do y'all do? Uh, I, I, so let's talk about this new restaurant that you guys have uh, coming out. What, what's it called again? Um, it's called the Mayor's House. And house. That's right. It's in Oak Cliff, near Bishop Arts uh, District, or in the Bishop Arts District. This actually was the Mayor of Oak Cliff's house in the 1930s. No way. What? Um, yes. Yeah, so George Sargent was the Mayor of Oak Cliff uh, in 1938, and that was also the same time that um, it was the Texas Centennial, right? And so he was kind of in charge of this Texas Centennial. And so the president came and like stayed in the house and it was like a really oh, wow. big deal back then. He left the house to his only child who didn't have any children. And so when he passed away in the seventies, the house just fell into disrepair. And the property was actually condemned and it was this beautiful corner lot, but half the house was like falling down. And Jim Lake, who's a really big developer down there, who's developed most of the Bishop Arts area, uh, bought the house and has spent the last six years restoring it back to its natural state. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's over 110 years old. Um, and wow. we will be eventually opening a restaurant there. <laughs> That's so During a global pandemic, when the industry is like, this must be the craziest time to ever literally to open up a restaurant it's right now. Like this is well, we had some practice because we opened our restaurant in Studio City called Henry's Hat, um, right at the height of the recession. So we've, we've, um, not always had the best timing, but um, <laughs> I love it. Luckily, this property is worth the wait, and um, we were very fortunate that we did not open before the pandemic. Honestly, um, you're right. You're right. So you know we'll have um, a lot more runway and a lot more information to make all the necessary you know changes that might need to be made before we open. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's you know what. Let's. That, that's, um, what, what's the style of food uh, that you guys are doing? Well, uh, you know, we started this project a couple of years ago uh, or kind of came on to do this. And obviously, like I said, it's been a long process of construction. Um, and during that time, I, I'd say that it kind of morphed. Um, and so I don't really want to say too much because I don't actually know what it's going to end up being through all of this. But what I will say is we're very dedicated to local sourcing. We're very... Um, in tune with who's in the neighborhood and what they particularly like. Um, and so 
you know, we've had a lot of experience coming from Los Angeles and San Francisco and New York. And, um, you know, I spend my day job as a recruiter. I talk to chefs all day long and, um, you know, we're very in tune with what, uh, you know, the trends are and what I think will be exciting down there. So I, I do promise it will be uh, a leader in the industry in that area. <laughs> No matter what it is. <laughs> awesome. No, I love it. Um, you know, I think just that local sourcing, boom. Uh, you know, a food doesn't necessarily need to be like, or, you know, Asian or this or that, right? Like sometimes just taking, look, I got fresh ingredients. I'm, I'm making this. To, this is what right. we're having, right? It's like, well, no. I'm comfortable with saying it's going to be an American restaurant because I do believe that America kind of encompasses all cultures and and there's going to be a, you know a representative on our menu for as many as we can get on it <laughs> so, I, and that's food i love that i love that we want it to to have something for everyone yep yep absolutely and that's what's look that's texas first of all people don't actually know how diverse texas food is right go to go to houston where you grew up go to dallas fort worth you can find any type of food you want from any country i guarantee you look for yeah. it. it's there you know so it, we're used to it right like we're used to having different styles of food and trying different things and i think you can uh dallas is is meant for something like that you know and especially where you guys are opening up uh, that area especially didn't even it, exist when I worked in Dallas. It literally just popped up and it didn't even exist. It is booming. And the people who are moving there, much like us, are kind of moving to Dallas and to Texas in general from the big coastal cities like New York and Los Angeles, San Francisco and Chicago and all these really um, more um, cosmopolitan, I would say, cities or what you might stereotype as that. I was really surprised moving to Dallas three years ago at how cosmopolitan the city is and how much wonderful, rich culture there is. You know, I like to go to, to really chef driven restaurants and I like to go to museums and I, I like to go to theater and like all of it's here. I had, you know, I just, I was so pleasantly surprised at, um, you know, I think that I just had this idea in my mind that it was much like the sticks I grew up in in Houston. I guess. Um, but it isn't. And it's a really terrific place to be. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, Dallas has, what, the Windspear Opera House, right? Mm -hmm. um, you've got that whole area, that great, beautiful park that's built over the highway there. That's right. Uh, and then, you know, they've got great outdoor stuff, too, like White Rock Lake. And, you know, I, I really... Um, I'm, I'm much happier here than I expected to be. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Um, you know, I love Dallas. I grew up there, but I think, you know, I just, for me, it's like, well, I just know it too much. Um, I love Austin. I've been here since 2014. Um, I do love this city. Talk about chef-driven restaurants. Boy, that's yes. here. And Dallas does have that, of course. I love, there's yes. there. Um, and they outnumber us in Austin, to, to be honest with you. Um, but what I love about Austin that's different than Dallas, we don't really have chains here at all, in fact. Yeah, yeah. I think it's more like San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good point. Um, yeah, that, that's a good point. Um, and, and even our homeless problem is, is almost becoming... <laughs> I hate to say that, but it's true. It's like, it's, I don't know what the hell's happening. Uh, I, would, I would compare Austin to San Francisco. I would compare Dallas to Los Angeles. I think it's very, very similar. Oh, that's a good comparison. I, I do like that. Um, 
Yeah, Austin, and Austin is growing too. Um, just in the time I've been here, it has changed immensely, uh, to be honest with you. It just keeps growing and growing and growing. Um, which, the most diverse, uh, culturally diverse city in the country now, which is so hard to believe because, like I said, I grew up in the States. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. I didn't know that. It's nice to see that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Um, you know, I guess that makes sense, uh, to be honest with you. I guess you're just so immersed right in things, you don't really even see what you're in. Um, I think that becomes a lot of it. But um, so when is maybe is there a tentative date for the restaurant to potentially like late this year sometime next 2021 i'm sure i have a tentative date but i'm not ready to share a tentative date and you know we had we done that before we would have been wrong about five times so far um, on musk you can just keep constantly pushing the date back and never be right. It never has to be right. You just right. well, I've never been right about an opening date. This is our seventh now, seventh restaurant. Um, I uh, it is going to happen, and um, as soon as it's uh, safe and makes sense for the business, we will be open and, and can't wait to meet everyone in the community. And you know, we really hope that we're going to be a gathering place for our neighbors. That's awesome. No, I can't wait. I'll be there. Good. Can't wait. <laughs> eat um so what what have y'all been is the podcast really what and i'm sure behind the scenes stuff of the restaurant and other business ventures but um during the pandemic has um the podcast really been something y'all are really pushing or what has been like the biggest thing y'all have been doing during the pandemic well like i said uh i have an actual day i have several jobs yeah. <laughs> um i'm the director of recruitment for one house which is a hospitality recruitment based out of New York. Um, I sort of oversee the Texas to the West. Um, uh, and um, I spend a lot of my time, uh, you know, recruiting for executive level and higher positions for restaurant groups, hotel groups. Um, I will say, obviously, business like slammed shut for a minute. Um, and things are sort of coming back to life. Now we're seeing signs of life, especially in, you know, what I would consider these second tier markets like Dallas and, um, you know, uh, Charlotte and, and places like that, Nashville. Um, and a lot of our business right now, or my business that I've been focusing on have been hotels. Um, you know, a lot of hotels are kind of getting back their groove as people are like, I'm so sick of my house. I need to get out for a staycation. And yeah. you know, some of the regulations are allowing more than 50% occupancy and things like that. So I spend a lot of my time doing that. Um, we also have a six year old daughter who has not been to school now since March. And so, um, and she has the most energy of any person I've ever met in my life. So I spend a lot of time just trying to keep up with her and keep her busy and, you know, not miserable at home with mom and dad. Um, and, um, you know, in just a few weeks, I'm going to be heading back to Los Angeles. I'm still working on days of our lives and I'm going to spend the fall out there working. working there. Oh, wow. Okay. So, okay. Wow. I saw that you got uh, nominated for an Emmy last year. So that's amazing. That's yeah. awesome, right? I've uh, been on the show as of yesterday was my 16 year anniversary wow. <laughs> minus uh, a seven year hiatus in the middle. <laughs> um, 
where my character went sailing around the world for seven years and somehow got her law degree before she came back. <laughs> I love soap opera. This is why I love it. I love it. That's I'm one of the town lawyers now, you know, super smart. Probably um, on the boat, right? I mean, and just. Well, it's like if they can't put you in a bikini, which I'm not, you can't. Um, they they make you really smart and let you do fun, fun <laughs> dialogue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. That is that yeah. is great. Well, congratulations. I still that's amazing, right? To have most people don't work with anything for that length of time, uh, and any one thing, right? Uh, period. Uh, you know, I uh, it was it wasn't on purpose. <laughs> it just kind of it just kind of happened that way. And like I said, I'm very good at just kind of rolling with it. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I end up with a, a lot on my plate most of the time, and that's fine with me. I'm at my best when I'm busy. I love it from soaps to soups, you know, you jump. It's that's my next, I'm going to have to name my next podcast from soaps to soups. There it is. I just, that just came out. I'm usually when I spitball, it doesn't, it doesn't sound good. So awesome. <laughs> I'd love to get you on my podcast next and come up with, with your story. What's the story you tell? All oh gosh. Yeah. Lots of them. I have some, I might even be willing to name names. Have you ever, <laughs> you know, have you and your husband ever talked about that where you just think, you know what, honestly, service industry people know the dirtiest secrets about a lot of people. If they were to all come out and give a, write a book, a tell all, I, I can't, I mean, I can't think of every person would be almost screwed. I mean, it's, um, I, I myself have witnessed from celebrity, like some crazy stuff and heard lots of crazy stuff like direct from i mean just it's just crazy um i used to think wow why would you say something like that i'm standing right here you don't know me how do you know i'm not gonna i, I just was blown away by some people willing to say certain things around certain people you know to right. with you i find that but you know what i also thought you know what they trust this level of service you know at this place that i'm working at it's not olive garden so they assume probably discretion is part and it is i i was never one to it is as long as you tip well <laughs> well or you know i can't imagine really social media was not a massive thing when i waited tables and bartended so we couldn't just like blow people up uh it's not like myspace people were blowing people up on myspace about not tipping so um you know, it was just something you heard through the industry, right? I would just whisper, you know, it would be that sort of game. Uh, when you went out, you talked about it, right? Or you heard it from another person. Because like you said, when you're in the industry, all your friends are in the industry. Why? Because the hours are odd and you have to match your odd hours with other people that have odd hours um, and, and don't go to holidays and, you know, on your friends giving guests. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because you don't get to have that. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's such a, you know, yeah, it's, it just becomes uh, someone you can relate to a little bit more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. Oh, I'm glad that you've found somebody that you can work with and, you know, partner with business wise as well. I think that's a little, I don't want to say uncommon, but you know, I think it's just great. I really think that's a wonderful thing to be honest with you. Cause that's gotta be an amazing thing. <laughs> I wouldn't highly recommend it unless you're both able to yeah. 
yeah. really communicate and compromise because being in business with your spouse is not for the weak of heart. <laughs> yes, my, my wife and I, that's, that can't happen. We, that just wouldn't work. Um, she's Spanish and, um, you know. She yells you in Spanish? <laughs> we, we only speak Spanish, actually. Our house is Spanish. We don't speak English in our house. Um, so yeah, we, we, when we argue, it's in Spanish, you know. Nice. Um, you know, yeah, it's funny, but you know, there's no way we could work together. We do, do, we do everything together. I mean, we're best friends and everything, but I just know there's no way we could do something like that together. Cause we both like, you know, I don't know. It just, I, I just don't know. That's it's hard. I think, you know, AJ and I really made the conscious effort to consciously uncouple for this restaurant. You know, I, I've, I can lend certain kinds of support, um, but I really, you know, this is very much his project. And I think for the sake of our continuing relationship, uh, it's probably the right decision. But <laughs> I'm very glad that, you know, we had that partnership, that business partnership before, because I think it actually made us better communicators. You know, we really understand each other and we know each other's boundaries and what each other's strengths and weaknesses are. And um but it, it's not always easy, especially when you're opening a restaurant during a pandemic or opening a restaurant during the recession or any of that stuff. It's hard. Yeah. 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 Just opening a restaurant period is That's hard enough. <laughs> yeah. absolutely. It's, it's, it's nearly, I mean, look, the, I don't know. Most people don't get into the restaurant industry because they see dollar signs. Most people yeah. do it because they love food and, you know, movement and want to support something. Right. Uh, and it's, exciting. it's different every day. You don't have to sit behind a desk and yeah. you get to meet new people. And yeah. I mean, there's a lot, we, we all, all of us, when we commiserate about the restaurant business, you know, you walk away thinking, why does anybody do this? And, you know, you have to remind each other because it is so fun and it's full of adrenaline. It's full of great relationships, great food, creativity, people at their very best. Um, is it always easy? No, but nothing worthwhile is. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. You can fight it or you can help it. You know, you have a decision when you show up to a restaurant. I remember, I don't know who it was, uh, you know, pre shifts as we call them. Right. Um, it used to be a big thing when I first started in the industry, it was like, everybody's gathering around these big speeches would be made. It was like 300 or something, right? Like we're about to go into battle and, uh, and every day was like that. Every day was just this, like, it's a Super Bowl. And, you know, but you would hear these really amazing things. And, it, and I'll never forget one of them was about, you know, I'm paraphrasing here because uh, it was so long ago. Uh, but it was basically just, you know, you have a choice when you come here, right? You can care or not care. You're, you're, you're going to spend the same amount of time here. So it's, it's up to you. Right. It's literally up to you. Um, and depending on your position, that can literally mean more money. Right. You have a different attitude about things and more money means more sales that and and has a ripple effect. If you've got more sales, you're helping the restaurant. If the restaurant has helped, it stays in business. If it stays in business, you still got a job. Right. I mean, everything has a ripple effect uh, in the restaurant, you know, and they say this in a restaurant, too. Right. Like, if, if a person has a good experience, they'll probably tell one person, maybe two. But if they have a bad experience, they're going to tell 10 to 20 people. That's right. You know? We used to talk about that in 
lineup or pre-shift or whatever it was called. Um, you know, setting expectations, but, um, you know, the restaurant business is, is hard. It's hard to motivate people, um, you know, if they're not naturally motivated, but I think they're typically the right kind of people are, um, uh, you know, move into the restaurant industry for the reasons that, you know, it's a hustle business and yeah. hustlers tend to want to be there because <laughs> you, know? you can maximize your profits if you're in a really good hustle mood. That's right. Yeah. If you're the, um, you know, cut everybody and I'll stay in close totally. or the, um, you know, who, who wants to go home, right? And you always got the same three people that raise their hand. And these are the same three people that go, I don't get enough hours. Oh. And so, <laughs> I, yeah. you know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I literally just talk all day about this industry. I absolutely love it. Um, you know, I, I, I just think it's, um, first of all, y'all's podcast is great. Do y'all see, you know, bringing attention to the industry, I think is wonderful. Um, and giving those stories helps people connect. Uh, because honestly, even if you haven't even worked in the industry, you can relate to these stories because you've dealt with somebody, it, it may be at your job like that, right? Or or whatever. So, uh, or maybe you've been the asshole customer and maybe it's making you like, oh shit, is that what I sound like? Is that what, I, is that what I'm being? I didn't realize that, you know? Um, and that can be true. I mean, how often do you talk to people outside of the industry who are like, oh, I didn't know not to do that, or I, I didn't know not to ask that, or or they'll, they'll still even ask, how much do I tip? What, motherfucker? You say it's too, you still asking <laughs> much to tip right now? What? We have to constantly educate our diners, but, you know, they teach us a lot too. I think it's um, a mutually beneficial relationship when we can just have the lines of communication open. So sort of my... Um, my bad feelings towards Yelp. It's like, it puts up a wall between guest and restaurant, you know, like don't go and put your gripes on a website, you know, come to me, tell me I can, I'm the one that's going to fix it. You know, like, I'm the one that can help you get what you want. You know, that's a good point. But having a podcast, yes, it's good to kind of highlight the, the typical thing, the things that the typical guests often do wrong or what we think are wrong. <laughs> What, what do you think about this um, this theory, I guess? Uh, you pretty much just said it. I mean, so you do agree that somebody should, or as a customer, you think it's a good idea to first go to the restaurant or place, right, that you had a problem with and see if they can fix it first before you go, you yeah. know, lambast them online and, and say whatever. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've shamed people into, you know, being Karens or whatever, <laughs> you know, like, don't ask for the manager. And I'm like, no, ask for the manager. I, because no, no successful restaurant owner or manager or someone who wants to be successful in their job doesn't want to fix whatever problem you're encountering, right? We want our business to be the best it can be because the only value in the entire restaurant is your butt in that seat, right? And if you're not gonna be in that seat, I'm losing value. So tell me how to fix it. Um, but I, like, again, like I think some people are afraid to say, let me talk, can I talk to a manager because this is really screwed up and I'm unhappy. Sure. Um, and that's, you know, a lot of that, like I said, is, is really um, incentivized by Yelp, right? They want you to go there and do it. And then people can just be mean and 
uh, oftentimes inaccurate or just straight up lying about something. And there's not a lot you can do about it at that point. So um, yeah, I, I feel like it, that's another reason why it's important for managers to constantly be um, in tune with the people that are in the dining room, whether they're asking for you or not and checking in and, che you know, right. management is, is you want to give them an opportunity to tell you if something's wrong. Yeah. yeah. You, you should notice, honestly, before the guest says something, right? If you've gone up and asked, because, you know, if you've gone up and ask, you know, how you don't ask, how was your meal? Right. You ask a specific question. How is that steak or how's the temperature on that steak or how's the potatoes with the whatever, you know, and you can tell people have eaten a dish, right? If someone hasn't eaten half the dish and you go to pick it up and but and you're like, how was everything? Everything was great. You know, they're not, you know, they're lying, you know, right. something wrong. Um, I think it is up to it's both. Right. You can't expect the guest. You can't control the guests. Right. So they're, they're on their own island so the only right. and they're going to come with their whole a whole bag of stuff you aren't aware of a hundred percent and again like you said they may be lying they may be this that's really not the point and in, in my opinion um you know again the the thing i learned was always just take care of it move on it doesn't right. matter if it's right or wrong just take it they want to know this who cares just get it to them doesn't right, right. The Our day, we are the hospitality industry and being hospitable is just being there for your guests and making sure they're having an excellent time. It's not brain surgery. And, and, and you know, like I, we've talked about already many times in this, this podcast that, you know, the people who work in restaurants tend to be very tuned in to the people around them. And so you have to engage on that. You have to not only be in tune, but you have to then engage with the guests and make sure everyone's having a good time. And, you know, at the end of the day too, whether you're a restaurant worker or a restaurant guest, Everyone just wants to be acknowledged. You know, you are important. We, we see you, we hear you, we care that you're gonna have a good time. Yes, you fit in here. Yes, you belong here. Yes, we want you to come back. If you approach everything in service with that, you're gonna win. It's, That's right. You're gonna win. <laughs> That's absolutely, I 100% agree. Yeah, again, it's just not worth the argument. You know, I've worked with a lot of people who like, someone brings up a problem and it's like, whoa, bring in the team, like CSI team. We're going to figure this out and make sure you're telling the truth. It's like, what are you doing? This is just literally just take care of the problem and let's go on. <laughs> Never fight with the guest. You're always going to lose. You know, my very first restaurant job was at Pizza Hut. And their nice. motto when I was 16 years old, I still use to this day, which was the guest is not always right, but the guest is always the guest. <laughs> so, you know, don't fight with the guest. Just know that you want to take their money this time and every time in the future and do what's necessary to make that happen. That's absolutely, that's absolutely correct. Yes. Again. Yes. Uh, yeah. And that's a hard thing to push into people because, you know, people get attached, right? People are very, um, you know, can be emotional in the industry, uh, myself included. Of our, no, me too. You know, so it it, it it can become easy. But again, yeah, you, you definitely have to maintain that. And it's good to have, that's why a good support system, right? It's why it's always good to bring other people in on the problems too. And to separate yourself if you're too close to the problem, right? If you see yourself getting it, boom, get someone else to handle it then. No problem. Sometimes there's just people we can't deal with. That's okay too. You get somebody else to deal with it. Because again, fighting and what is not going to go anywhere, Um you know, it's going to end up on Yelp <laughs> like, or on Instagram or something even worse. Yeah. Now. Um, yeah. Especially now. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, 
you know, I yelled at a guest one time in my food truck the first summer that I, or first ACL that I had it here in Austin. And we were just slammed. I'll never forget. We were so busy. I must have had like a hundred people in line. And I just thought, what am I going to do? I mean, I'm just, I, what the am I going to do? I just wasn't prepared at all. We're, first night, just wasn't prepared. And this lady saw, you know, our food truck was open and I'm working the line or whatever. And I'm moving tickets. And this lady thought I was moving for some reason. She just thought I was moving her ticket to the end of the line. Mind you, she has no idea what ticket is what ticket. But she just starts screaming at me. She's drunk. She just got done with ACL. She's screaming at me. I've worked all freaking day in the heat. I'm, you know, lady, you have no idea what I've been through. And she's yelling at me. And I just immediately start yelling at her and right. telling her food will be, you know, it'll come out when it comes out and, and blah, blah, blah. And I'll never, for, I'll never forget that. It's like the worst thing I've ever done in my life. I felt horrible right. words. But you hear what you're saying is, she felt she wasn't being acknowledged, right? Like she didn't matter. You were putting her to the end of the line and you felt like you weren't being acknowledged that you were sweating her ass off trying to get her fed as quickly as you could. Yeah. And those clashes can't be resolved because you can't fix that for her. She, you know, if she, whatever you have to just say, I see you, I hear you. I'm moving as fast as I can. I want you to be happy. You know, yeah. it's, it's hard. It's hard to do in the heat of the moment. And we've all had those moments, but yeah, um, I think that was a, a lesson I learned not too long ago that I really was able to finally digest. And now I really have to stop myself sometimes and just be like, yes, I see you. I hear you. I know you're hungry. My goal, my only goal right now is to get you food, you know, and, and it always works, but it's hard to suck up that, that pride and to do it in the moment. It was, I had my, um, uh, what's it called my tongs and i remember just like you know i think shit was flinging off onto her accident i didn't mean to i i mean i you know happy story it ends in a happy way i guess i you know i ended up giving her the food for free obviously i apologized profusely i came down from the truck i sat with her for a moment i just told her i was sorry i had been overworked blah 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 really in the end all excuses you know it was it was unacceptable right it's just not doesn't matter did she forgive you she did she forgave me she was drunk she was just like, it's okay, baby. You know, just like, <laughs> I don't even think she remembered it. But look, there was 50 people around her that saw the whole thing, right? Other customers who were looking at me like, you asshole, who weren't as drunk as her, right? And I wasn't drunk, you know? Yeah. So it was unacceptable. I'll, I'll never forget. I beat myself up over that constantly. And that was six years ago. Shouldn't be. We all have had those moments, those sweaty middle of a Friday night. I don't know if I can make one more thing moments. Yes. And people are so insensitive and me, me, me. And you just want to reach across the bar and slap them in the head. You know, and just tell them to, it's just a drink. Relax. You know, but yeah. you, know, you can't. I think that you should tell maybe you should come on our podcast and tell that story. Oh, absolutely. I'll give the more dirty details because there's a lot more to it. I love details. Yeah. I, lo <laughs> I love that. That's the funniest thing. I, lo I love the details. Well, look, Martha, this has been awesome. I really appreciate um, all the time. I absolutely would love to come on the podcast. You let me know. Um, and uh, yeah, this has been amazing. I've absolutely just truly enjoyed this um, conversation. I'm talking about this. This has been amazing. I love to talk about the, the restaurant industry. I'll shoot shit with you anytime. <laughs> the Lone Star Play podcast is produced by Texas Real Food. 
Go to texasrealfood.com and you can search your city for stores, butchers, restaurants, farmers markets, and more who are using fresh, artisanal, organic sources. It's a fun site that brings all natural options all together. I hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, go to thelonestarplay.com. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. Until next time. Mm-hmm.